What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the South Florida Tribune Broadcasting Network. This is Motor Mouth at Wild Bill Winters, our Thanksgiving edition. And, Bill, you had yourself a little early Thanksgiving dinner, right? Eh? Very good. Okay, well, looking forward to mine. It'll commence at the Cracker Barrel tomorrow, but we'll take care of some of our uh, appetizers tonight here on the program. And we're going to lead off. There you go. Uh, I don't believe in leftovers. Many, many years ago when I used to go ahead and cook, I once broiled a turkey, and I can tell you where those leftovers went. So, and uh, yeah, if you were looking at myself and a friend of mine back when he was living in Kansas City named Stuart Bloom, we both invented the right way to screw up a turkey, and that was by broiling it because we got a lot of opinions. That's for another day. I can tell you many Thanksgiving stories, but we wouldn't have enough airtime to get to all of them. So what we'll do is we'll give our fans a little bit of a lot to chew on tonight, and we're going to lead it off with Kellen Winslow Sr., who actually filed a workers' compensation claim citing a brain injury. What are your thoughts about that? You played back in the day when Kellen did. I mean, those range in- injuries are nothing to uh, take lightly. Well, um, and a lot of states are treating it differently. Um, you know, California is being proactive, um, and some other states are not doing anything. So, you know, a lot of it is where you play ball at for workman's comp. That's one of the first things. The second thing is there was CTE. You know, there's a couple of different opinions on it. Um just a lot of guys that believe that uh, with the concussions that some guys are predisposed to having uh, uh, CTE and uh, dementia and all the things that come with it. I've seen that front and personal with guys like John Mackey. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Tony Dorsett has it a little bit. Uh, you know, and Jim McMahon. Uh, so there's a lot of guys out there where you can clearly see that anybody who says that uh, CTE did not come from uh, concussions and playing pro football uh, is, you know, just full of beans, okay? But you actually have the NFL that for years has kind of taken that position. And it, like I said before, it's a business. And the owners do not want the liability of taking care of injured players. They either push this off as charity cases, whether it be uh, dental or orthopedic, or CTE uh, with the brain, and uh, it's it's a tug of war. But I, I think through uh, education and uh, social media, and we're causing a lot of attention to this stuff. And hopefully, the American public is going to start to realize that some of these guys have valid claims, and uh, each individual is different. But it's definitely something that exists, and it's not to be taken lightly. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Kellen. Uh, I have no idea how bad he is. Uh, you're the first one who told me about it, uh, but it fits into a lot of profiles with a lot of guys that I know where I've seen up front and personal. And it's, it gets really bad when you see uh, guys that uh, take their own lives 
anymore or don't have enough pride to step up and die horrible deaths uh, because they had no place to go 10 years ago, 20 years ago. At least we're now having guys coming in and saying, I need help, and because people are starting to be aware of it and becoming conscious that these problems exist for a long, long time. Okay, uh, let's talk about Baker Mayfield. Must have been uh, hearing about uh, from you because the Browns are now five and six. Everybody wrote uh, Freddie Kitchens off for the dead, but meanwhile the Browns are playing a meaningful game against their divisional nemesis, the Pittsburgh Steelers, this weekend. What's what's your take on Baker Mayfield uh, now that he's going to play his twelfth game of the year? Uh, well, um, I'm I'm watching a guy develop. Um, I think that he is starting to learn that. It's better off to be quiet, uh, you know, rather than run your mouth over what I consider and causing your attention and uh, stupid things. Uh, you have to be very careful because you're under the microscope, so, he, you know, he, he's up there on the learning curve. Uh, the second thing is, uh, you know, getting that running back back, Akeem Hunt, and having the other guy back there, uh, the, the running back that they drafted. Yeah, Nick Chubb. Yeah. two backs there. Right. Uh, Chubb, yeah. Um, that really helps him because they have to honor the run and now he's being able to get some receivers open and they're also making a concerted effort to get to uh, Landry and OBG and uh, you know that's that's a good thing so um, you know they're making a lot of noise but uh, they're not anywhere near a playoff team Uh, they're not anywhere near winning the Super Bowl the team has a lot of growing up to do and you have to learn how to go to the playoffs and I think next year they'll probably be a playoff team uh, but, you know, this year, uh, you know, they'll probably get to win, uh, you know, and they'll probably win a couple of games. Uh, but I don't, they're probably 8-8. Eight and eight And, uh, you know, they'll miss the playoffs. But they'll learn a valuable lesson to come in next year and be quiet and, you know, start, you know, playing uh, football the way some of these other teams do because they don't run the football well enough. What they're starting to do, and that's why they're getting the wins. So, you know, I'm, I'm you know, watching Bakerville Mayfield throw some touchdown passes now because his receivers are getting separation from uh, the defensive backs because they have to play the run, and that's how they go. And, you know, there's another team out there, the Rams. They're having the same problem. So, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be nice to see they could be successful, see the Browns, you know, at least be a factor in that division. But there's no way that they can compete, even though they beat the Ravens. It's just, you know, they won't beat them in a, in a game. All right. All right, since we're on the Thanksgiving theme, why don't we go ahead and talk about uh, the country north of the border, the Canadian Football League. You said you played in a Thanksgiving game up in Canada. Tell us about your experience there. Well, first of all, it was Canadian Thanksgiving, so that's a completely different date uh, than November. Uh, It's in October, and uh, it's actually on my YouTube channel. So if uh, you guys go into the audience, goes to Bill Winters Football in the search engine on YouTube, the channel the channel will come up. You'll see a purple circle with me wearing a Nike hat. Just hit subscribe. And they have 20 videos in there. And uh, two of the videos is the first and the second half of the Montreal Alouettes in 1978 playing the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in, in Regina, Saskatchewan. Uh, on their version of Thanksgiving Day weekend. And it was 18 degrees out. Uh, there was a 44-mile-an-hour wind. And uh, the game finished in a 35-35 to 35 tie. Uh, we were down by two touchdowns with about three or four minutes to go in the game and came back 
aging. We had a Canadian quarterback uh, because in the Canadian League uh, they carry a, a small roster. I believe back then it was a 33-man roster. They carried 12 Americans on a team. Um, and uh, we had a, uh, a Canadian quarterback by the name of Jerry Cotillio who's actually making his first start. And he played very, very well, which gave the coaches a lot of uh, confidence in him and him able to take us uh, in a championship game. And that really helps your team when you can have uh, Canadian quarterbacks. There's a, you know so few of them out there. But you know, you'll see that some of the CFL teams that have done really, really well have had Canadian quarterbacks uh, because you can you know really have players playing different positions You know that can rush the passer and, and carry the rock and don't have to be Canadian. So uh, that's, that's always a good factor. But there was a thing called the Rouge, and which means if you down the ball in the end zone, uh, you know, like for uh, a kickoff, or uh, just punt, uh, or you know, it doesn't uh, go through the pipes when you're kicking a field goal. A team can run the ball out of the end zone, and the end zone is about another ten yards uh, longer. And we'll, we can talk a little bit about the dimensions of the Canadian Football League field and the different rules if you'd like. But uh, if you don't run the ball out of the end zone, it's a point. That's called a rouge. So that's exactly what happened. We went up 35-34. I thought we had the game one and all the coaches to go, watch out for the rules, watch out for the rules. Because what they did is they lined up in punt formation with a few seconds on the clock. It wasn't even third down. Uh, and he was second down, and they punted the ball, and he hit the jet stream, and went about 65 yards in the air, and landed in the end zone, and our defensive back, Randy Rhino, was one, probably the best punt returner I've ever seen in any league, um, you know, couldn't run it out, and they tackled, you know, he tackled him, and they tied it up with, as the clock expired, and it was 35-35, and uh, so, you know, it's a little different rules up there, uh, and it's an American coming up there, and over having played a couple of games, you know, it was a baptism under fire, but what a way to learn. And so it was the only tie we had that year. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was a learning experience about how an American comes up there and learns on the run about the difference in the rules. Yeah, very interesting point. I mean, you do see Canadians come down to the United States and then vice versa. Uh, which is more difficult, an American going up there to learn the Canadian game or vice versa? Depends on the athlete. Uh, I can remember there was a uh, Bruce Clark uh, was one of the best defensive tackles in the National Football League, and he went up to Canada and didn't, you know, was average. Uh, he's in. in uh, you'll see him in the uh, in uh, with the Toronto Argonauts in my first turn on my YouTube channel. Uh, we've had players come up there like Vince Ferragamo who really struggled uh, because there's twelve America. There's twelve. Uh, guys on defense and 12 guys on offense with an extra man uh, and they have, you know, the, the defense is lined up with an extra defensive back uh, and uh, it's really difficult for them to read coverages. Plus the field is about a rush of five yards wider. So it's really difficult for guys like Fred Bolitnikoff who went up there again with the Alouettes and he really was a non-factor. In fact, the DBs kind of played him a little bit because he didn't have the speed to break away. Uh, and they were able to, uh, you know, uh, not, you know, he used to be a possession receiver where you could throw the ball on a five or 10 yard out or a 15 yard out. He'd go out of bounds and toe tap you, and there's nothing a defensive back could do. That extra five yards, uh, it was really tough for a, a, a quarterback to have the kind of arm to throw a, a, a pass like that. So, of course, the DBs would run up there and either pick him off or, or pat him down, and it was very frustrating for him. Uh, I watched uh, a guy on our team, 
uh, Bruce Taylor, who was with the 49ers, uh, and he played pretty well because he was a really good athlete, but he was a defensive back. So, you know, as an offensive player, it's a little difficult uh, if you're a quarterback or a receiver. Uh, I think if you're a defensive back, it's a little bit easier. Uh, we had a guy back then by the name of Vernon Berry who was, he could be an all-pro in any league. He went on to play for the Houston Oilers, and you just clearly see he was toying with those people back there. It's also uh, a faster game. I, you know, you'll see the linemen are a little bit faster uh, than they are uh, in the National Football League because the field is wider and uh, they, they do a lot of sprint, you know, a, a lot of uh, running uh, as far as blocking is concerned. All right, so uh, you know they're maybe not as good as the uh, National Football League offensive linemen, uh, but they're big but a little bit more mobile. Okay, so there's a lot of differences, but I think it's predicated a lot on. Uh, you know how, what kind of athlete you are. I mean, Johnny Rogers came up there and, and did phenomenally well. You know, because he was just unbelievable in returning punts. So you know, he has the speed to burn. So you know, as a special teamer, guys go up there and really kick some ass. Okay, uh, but you know, and, but offensively, it's a little difficult because it, it's a little different game offensively. <clears throat> so you know, it just depends on the athlete. But uh, I've seen a lot of variety of guys come up there and and play very well. Uh, I've seen some other guys bomb out, but because, they, they're really good players in the National Football League. So it's sort of like a teeter-totter. It goes back and forth. depends on the position. depends on the player all right, and his ability to adapt to the game. What about quarterbacks? I know for, for a while Johnny Manziel went up there. And if anybody thought a guy could have made it up there in Canada with his wide-open gazelle type of approach and his arm, one would think that that would have been suited, but obviously Johnny struggled up there. And he's not the only one, Bill. There are a lot of quarterbacks that go up there, and I know Tim Tebow didn't want to go up there would have had a chance. But, you know, I'm just naming a couple off the top of my head. But quarterbacks are really hit and miss up there, aren't they, Bill? Yeah, they are. Uh, I'll tell you, this is interesting. I know a little bit about uh, Manziel's situation in Montreal. Uh, you know, I, I work with a guy who, uh, you know, is – keeps me, I talk to him probably about once a week and I get a lot of my intel from him uh, because he puts kids into the National Football League, guys into the Arena League and guys into the CFL. They actually brought Johnny up uh, to Montreal, uh, but five quarterbacks passed uh, on uh, going up to Canada because they wanted to play in the Alliance. So they brought Manziel up because they needed a quarterback. And the guy that was up there right now was actually better than him that was starting however he got hurt and I'll just say he was one of our kids. He was one of the guys that had been brought up by this outfit that uh, his name I can't mention, but uh, they brought him up there, and he was doing very, very well. But Montreal did not have a very good team. In fact, they had a coach who used to be the head coach of the Packers. Yeah, Mike no Sherman. There anymore. Yeah, Mike uh, Sherman. If you, say his, uh, if you said his name, uh, it'll come back to me. Mike Sherman, um, Bill. Yes. And Mike went up there thinking that, you know, with a pedigree from the National Football League and all this other stuff, that he was just going to turn around and, you know, and, and make Montreal really good. And as a coach, he had a tough time adapting to the CFL. And uh, the team didn't do very well. And I watched Johnny play his first game uh, against the Hamilton Tiger Cats and June Jones. And they made a monkey out of him. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, I felt bad for him because, you know, with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Wanted to play in the Alliance. Then he came down and played for the Alliance with Memphis, 
they put him in there and he actually took the team down the field. I think they won the game, all right, and it was looking good. The next game, he looked like he didn't know what he was doing. He got kicked in the head and got knocked out. So, you know, you, you sit back and go, geez, are these guys snake-fit? No, this is pro football. It takes a while to learn how to play the game. It also is you have to uh, assimilate yourself with the rest of your team, and your team has to be firing in all cylinders, which means you have to have a good run game, you have to be able to have good receivers, you have to have a good defense in order for a quarterback not to be thrown to the dogs. And unfortunately, some of these guys have not had that luxury, Manziel being one of them, okay? And he got exposed big time up in the Canadian Football League because a lot of guys go up there and they think that they're going to run through this league like it's nothing and it's a different game. And those guys up there, they're going to hit you. And they, and they can play. A lot of these guys are trying to play their way into the NFL, especially the American players. And, you know, uh, I, I will tell you, the Grey Cup was fun to watch. There's a couple of guys up there right now that are pretty good pass rushers. You know, and, they, and they're going to get a shot in the XFL. They're going to get a shot in the National Football League because they're young and they got reps. And that pilot light comes on. But I will tell you that uh, it's a speed game up there, and a lot of American players, uh, they, you know, they come up there and they don't do as well as they think they do. David Overstreet was one of our running backs from Oklahoma. He, was, he did okay. He got a lot of money, but he was, a, you know, just an average back up there. Right. So, uh, you know, you see a lot of guys that, you know, that people never hear of that really turn into super football players. Okay, and then actually come down to the National Football League and do really, really well, too. And a lot of them are defensive linemen. Right. Or some of them are tight ends. So, uh, for a lot of guys, it's just getting reps. Okay, and then in this case, uh, other guys, they kind of get exposed for their weaknesses and and, you know, they know this can translate into the National Football League or uh, it might transfer into the CFL. Okay, I look at a guy like Jerry Masoli. Jerry uh, Masoli's a hell of a CFL player. Yeah, he is. Okay, uh, he has a tough time in the NFL, so he's found his place. Right. When I was up there, we had a guy by the name of Conrad Holloway. Connie was hell on wheels. Uh, you see, you know, he'd run around back there and you couldn't catch him. Uh, he was sort of like, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, he threw a really, really good ball, too. Uh, but he didn't translate to the National Football League. Now, here, you know, so, it, you know, it's an evolutionary process uh, with some of these guys. Uh, it's also the situation they're in. Uh, and, you know, uh, all I can tell you is it's pro football. And uh, I, and I can tell you right now, uh, you know, you don't sit there and think that the CFL, uh, you know, is a, a secondary league. Uh, the only reason it might be considered secondary is because you have some Canadian players playing there. Uh, and those guys now are, are, you know, fairly good because they've been, their college programs have gotten really, really good over the last 20 years as opposed to when I played where, you know, some of the CFL players, you can clearly see that, you know, they're going to have a tough time, you know, uh, making my college team. Okay, Bill, let's talk about your career in the CFL, and then after you're done with that explanation, why don't you uh, summarize the Grey Cup?
you know, how people sometimes are resistant to tra- change and don't really change with the flow as much. Uh, this is why I'm having a really good time watching Lamar Jackson, you know, run through the league right now. Uh, because I think that uh, a long time ago, I talked to a buddy of mine who was uh, uh, a quarterback coach uh, for an NFL team, and they were talking about how the, the, the quarterback position was going to change. They're looking for a Bo Jackson type athlete to play quarterback. So we're starting to get those kinds of kids. Um, but yeah, in the, when I played in the Grey Cup game against Edmonton, uh, we ran the football. Uh, we had two import offensive linemen, we had Dan Yoakum and myself. Uh, I joined the team the fourth game of the season after being released by the New York Giants, uh, where I was named the starting center, but they, they had it in their mind that they wanted me to play offensive tackle. And they drafted a kid, Gordon Judge, uh, Gordon King out of Stanford, the first round. I think it was the second or third overall pick. So I knew that you know, it was history, uh, you know, because I really wanted to play center. And they made a trade for Jimmy Clark, so it gets very political. So this is why when you break into the league, sometimes you want to start with a new head coach because it cleans house and gets his own people. And, uh, so I went up to Montreal, and I was blessed to, there, to go up there. Uh, they signed me to a really, really nice contract uh, where I made a lot more money than I would have played the National Football League. Plus the exchange rate was an extra 28 cents on the dollar. Uh, so my agent at the time uh, you know, told me I'd be crazy if I turned it down. They were looking for a tackle. They were uh, defending champions. Uh, I think they were two and two, uh, and uh, they brought me in there, but they actually cut two offensive linemen for me, and I learned that this is a business, and what they paid me, they still saved money compared to what they were paying those two guys. All right, so, uh, you know, they got a, uh, they felt a better player, uh, so it was a two-for-one swap. They were able to cut a little payroll, and I actually made more money than I did in the National Football League, uh, but those guys were released. They put me in a tackle and it went up on a five-day trial, which means the day of the game, the day uh, before the game, and the day after the game don't count towards the five-day trial. So I was actually up there for about 10 or 11 days and watched two games, which were both losses, okay, and um, started to realize that I'm blessed to have this opportunity because there's so few jobs. This is a heck of a football team. Uh, Montreal had the best Canadian players, so that's why they were a dominant team. Marv Levy had been the coach the year before, right, so we all right. know about what Marv has done. Right. Uh, it was Joe Scanella's uh, rookie year. Uh, he had come from the Oakland Raiders, where they're used to dominant football players that can run the football. Um, and, uh, you know, the, you know, with John Madden, who's on Madden's staff, so they put me in a right tackle. They decided to change what they were doing, where instead of throwing the football, because it's three downs to make ten, they just ran off the offensive business, ran off Danny and me. And we had a running back back there, and we were tough to stop. And we, and we wound up uh, getting in second place with an 8-7-1 eight, uh, eight, record. And we wound up going in the Great Cup game. And we, if you watch that Great Cup game, uh, we played horribly in the first half. Uh, things happened to us that never happened. Our quarterback got knocked out of the game, a cheap shot on the sidelines with uh, David Boone. He used to keep a steel pipe in his uh, in his forearm. and used to head slap. Held my helmet had a crack in it by halftime. My helmet almost split in half when I went to take it off after the game. Uh, I couldn't believe how you know much damage he had done to my helmet with that pipe. Um, and you know he got that by the referees. So, so the Canadian League is a little rougher back then uh, because there's a lot of crack back blocks and uh, a lot of you know stuff doesn't get called. So it's a little tougher game up there. Uh, and the reality of it is, is we go in, uh, 
knocked out of the cheap side on the sidelines. They were on the hip point, and we almost pulled the game out anyway. Mm-hmm. And our running back fumbled the ball, I think, uh, twice. Uh, Randy Rhino fumbled the ball on a punt return, and then uh, it was just, you know, it was just, we, we were snaked it up until we got rolling. And then we were still in real start, got rolling, and it was a hell of a game. In fact, in the last play of the game, Sonny's getting uh, tackled uh, for a sack, and he pisses the ball to me. Okay, and I'm running by the ball, and I'm trying to grab it. I got all my gloves on. I get banged from behind. I, I you know, I look down, and, and you know, the, the all the uh, right of guard tried to pick it up and run with it, and you know, what got stopped short one yard of uh, one yard of the uh, uh, down marker to continue the drive, and that's how the game ended. And we just came off the field, and we said, you know, uh, we beat these guys last year. In fact, we blew them out last year, the year before. Uh, Edmonton was laying for us because they had gotten humiliated when we played them on the ice the year before, but I wasn't on the team. That's when Warren Levy was the coach. Right. Um, and uh, they came up there, and they jumped on us real quick, and, uh, you know, we, we it took us a while to get on track. And, you know, uh, it, it was it, you know, some of our American players were kind of nervous. You know, David never fumbled the ball, and, you know, he, he, every time he threw the ball to me, he's either dropping it or fumbling it, and it was like, yeah, actually, coach, you know, had to pull him out in the third quarter. So he get your head right. You know, we had to bring in Sonny, and uh, we start throwing the ball around. He hit a couple of long ones, and we almost pulled the game out. But unfortunately, uh, it wasn't our day. And, you know, I kind of reminds me of what went on with this great cup game uh, this past weekend with uh, Hamilton and Winnipeg. Right. Hamilton was the dominant team all year. Winnipeg came up there with a huge chip on their shoulder. Why they had gone through the same thing that we went through, you know, quarterback out for a long, long time, then activated, you know, signing, you know, I think halfway through the year, uh, you know, guys injured in key spots. It's a long season, but they gelled at the right time, uh, just like, and, you know, got on a roll and just kicked the sh- snot out of Hamilton up front uh, and, on a, and with a run game. And uh, it was fun to watch, uh, but, you know, uh, it was nobody saw that coming. And they hadn't won a great cup since 1990. And there were guys that had come from, uh, you know, that, that were from all over the, the country uh, to watch that game. They had formerly played for Winnipeg. Guys were crying because it meant so much to the organization. So one thing I've learned about the Grey Cup is you can't always take the heavy favorite. Hell, the Calgary Stampeders have been the dominant team up there the last couple of years. I said they won one cup out of three. All right, and they've been beaten by teams that didn't even win their division in the Eastern Conference. Hmm. All right, so, you know, it's... And a lot of it has to do with how guys play in championship games. Right. Uh, you know, and that's the one thing with the Montreal Alouettes is that we had a real experienced team and we just kept hanging and hammering and almost pulled it out. Uh, Hamilton didn't have that. Uh, they just, you know, they just locked up because it looked like they didn't know how to play in a championship game and they didn't play very well. So, uh, you know, they, you kind of learn from those experiences. I will tell you, I, I, I think this is kind of funny. Uh, you know, occasionally I get on Facebook and I've connected with a couple of guys uh, on Facebook that uh, I haven't spoken with in a long, long time. And um, one of the guys actually sent me uh, a thing that I posted on my Facebook page, which was the uh, Eastern Conference Final against the Ottawa Rough Riders, where they had won the division. And then we had played them the last two games of the season and kind of blew them out. Uh, and uh, that's, you know, uh, and that was our, our ground game. And uh, what's really interesting is the gentleman who sent me the text started talking about some of the guys that were, were on my team with the Alouettes. And uh, I, I just want to give a shout out. Uh, our middle linebacker was called. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Carl Cornell. His brother is Romeo Cornell. Right. And we all know talked about the CFL, Bill, and you say that you enjoyed your time there in the CFL. Is that correct? Just give me a summary how, how rewarding it was before we move on to the NFL. I had a blast. I made really, really good money. Uh, I played on a really, really good team, and I had a lot of fun because I loved playing in the Canadian League. It was fun. Okay. It's fun football up there. It's okay. a good game, but it's fun. All right, so let's uh, transition back to the NFL. Do you wish, Bill, that you had played in an NFL Thanksgiving game? Not really. Uh, and uh, anybody who plays in the league will tell you that playing on Thursday nights is not fun. Why we are creatures of habit. If you're teeing up to play on Sundays, and then all of a sudden somebody okie dokes you and wants you to have a short week to get ready to play on a Thursday, it can really throw you off your game. Okay? Just like going to London to play. All right, so, you know, as far as I'm concerned, to answer your question, no. Okay. I had enough of those in high school, okay, and I did have an opportunity to get a version of that in Canada. However, it was a different type of Thanksgiving, but down here, no. Okay. I want, I want, my, I want my five or six days, okay, and I want to be rested because my body is used to playing on Sundays. Okay, fair enough, even though you don't 
like playing on Thanksgiving days. Guess what? You're going to be predicting some NFL Thanksgiving games, and then we'll talk about the rest of the uh, we schedule. All right, Bill, you ready for some predictions? All right? You got it. All right. Mm-hmm. Chicago and Detroit. score on these games? 2017. I actually had 21-17 when Ryan Skolrud and I did this before you came on. All right, next game, Buffalo against the Dallas Cowboys in, in, in Big D. Okay, I like Dallas in this game. Score. Uh, uh, Buffalo is a really good defense, uh, but they struggle offensively at times. It's a road game. Dallas has got to get a win. Jerry's kind of told them what's going on. It's a big game for them because they got the Eagles breathing down their neck. And if they can get this game, that continues to allow them to even possibly lose to the Philadelphia Eagles the last game of the season and still win the division. So I like the Cowboys in this game. I really do. Scores. I want scores on all these games, Bell. 27-20. Okay, I actually had 24-7. I had 24-17 Dallas. New Orleans against Atlanta over in Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Okay, and uh, I'm going with New Orleans because I know what I have with New Orleans. I think New Orleans is going to go down there and get a win. Uh, And uh, Atlanta, uh, they bring their A game, but I doubt it, uh, particularly on Thanksgiving. So that's just another reason for that team to go in a funk. Uh, because they can't even get their stuff right to play on Sundays, but when they do, uh, they're really, really good, but they haven't shown any consistency, so I'm going to take the Saints 31-10. I actually had the Saints winning 31-21. You and I are on a roll. Okay. All right, we'll go on to the Sunday games, the games that you like to play, and we'll lead off with a game that I'll be at on Sunday up in northern Florida in, in a Sunshine State battle, Tampa Bay against Jacksonville. In Jacksonville. Uh, I'm going to take Tampa Bay in this game. I think Jameis Winston, uh, I watched uh, Arena uh, uh, Arians, uh, the coach the other day, he was brimming with a little uh, smile like a chicken in the henhouse. I think that maybe, possibly, Jameis Winston has finally started to knuckle under. As long as this guy doesn't throw picks, the Bucks can play with anybody. He's thrown 29 interceptions this year. That's ungodly. Okay, and if you can get that under control, they'll get out of Jacksonville with a win. So I'm going to take the Bucks. Score. Um, 35-28. Well, for fantasy standpoint, I hope you're right. I have Winston. I had the uh, Bucks winning 24-14. Green Bay against the Giants at the Meadowlands. I'm going to take Green Bay in this game. Uh, the Giants are just not that good a club. Uh, Green Bay will play well and, and rebound from the ass whipping they had. Uh, and they'll get the win. It'll be something like 31-10. Yeah, I actually had Green Bay winning 28-17. All right, let's go down to the Carolinas where the Redskins take on the Carolina Panthers. In Carolina, correct? Yeah, in Carolina, correct. 
Yeah, Carolina's going to get the win. And uh, we're going to see if Haskins has grown up a little bit because I'll tell you right now, uh, if back in my day had he pulled that stunt that he did on the sidelines taking a selfie, uh, I think everybody kind of knows why he's not ready. Right. Okay, uh, and the reality of it is this boy's got a lot of growing up to do. Give me a score. Uh, and you're then we'll... the leader of a Washington Redskins football team, and you're taking a selfie, and they're going to look for you. I don't think he's ready. I think they're going to get down there and expose him, and I think Cal- uh, Carolina's going to get out of there with a win, and he better be careful uh, because the reality of the situation is they're, they're, they're you know, they're, that's a tough defensive football team. All right, and uh, the reality of the situation is, is that I think that uh, he may have a really tough time up there, and I think Carolina might get on him. And so I like him twenty-seven, fourteen. Yeah, I actually had twenty-seven, ten in favor of Carolina. We'll get to the Haskins thing a little bit later in the program. Okay, let's go okay. with the Jets and the Cincinnati Bengals. The only thing relevant about this game for Cincinnati is they're trying to avoid finishing winless, and they think that Andy Dalton's the reason that they will avoid finishing winless. What are your thoughts about that? Darnold's been playing much better as of late. Well, they had to make a change of quarterback. Dalton's the best quarterback they have. The guy behind him did not do a very, very good job. However, I'm going to take the Jets in this game. Uh, the Jets are, uh, you know, overcome a lot. They've won the last couple of ball games. Uh, they're starting to build some momentum. Uh, the game is in, in, in New York as well. No, it's actually uh, in it's actually in uh, it's Ohio. In yeah. Okay. It's at Cincinnati. I'm still going to take the Jets. Score. But I think it's going to be close. Uh, 17-14. I had uh, Jets 24-16. Okay. Uh, we'll uh, go up to the home of the Indianapolis 500 as Tennessee takes on the Indianapolis Colts. I like the Colts in this game. Uh, I think the Colts got jobbed a little bit. Uh, and I think that they're going to go in and, and make this division a dogfight. Uh, particularly if the Texans lose to New England uh, and, uh, Sunday night. Uh, and the reality of the situation is is I think that the Colts are due for a win. Uh, there's not much difference between those two teams, and I think uh, Ryan Tannehill comes down, back down to earth, and the Colts scratch out a win 21-17. Ashley, I'm going to go with the uh, Titans. Actually, I'm going to go with the Titans on this one, 31-18, so it's okay for us to differ a little bit. All right. You think? <laughs> That's all right. This not an exact science. No. Scott, so no. Of course. I'm circling them, so I'll probably hold us accountable next week. Uh, all right. Okay. Uh, with that said, all right, we'll uh, go to the uh, team that you and I both like to like, and I happen to have both uh, fantasy defense. I can only pick one, the 49ers against Baltimore. I like Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the reason I like Baltimore is I think that uh, the 49ers, I think it's going to be tough for any team to go through the entire National Football League without losing, you know, more than one game. You know, more than one game. So I think they're going to have two or three losses and still win that division. Uh, however, I just think that uh, 49ers are going to struggle with a quarterback that can move around uh, a little bit uh, in the pocket. And uh, right now the Ravens are on a roll, and I like the Ravens. And I like them 28-20. I actually like the Ravens, too, 27-24. Jackson's pretty darn fast, and he does run like a gazelle, and he has a, he's the type of guy that could run all over the Canadian Football League, but no, let's not get started there, okay? All right, Phil- it's in Baltimore. Yeah, it is in Baltimore. Okay. Uh, uh, Philadelphia, Miami. I'm going to take Philadelphia in this game, but barely. 
Dolphins are playing team stuff, but the Eagles are going to go down there and get the win, and they're going to hang hang in there and hang in there, but I do not see them making any impact in the playoffs if they're lucky enough to even get a shot at the end of the year. So this is a must-win for them, and I think they pull it out. And I think they're going to win uh, 31-17. Uh, yeah, I, I think Philadelphia wins 24-7. to Okay. And the game that I know that you're looking forward to is Cleveland against Pittsburgh at this time. It's over in the Three Rivers area in western Pennsylvania. Maker Mayfield against now another Steelers quarterback, Delvino Hodges, I believe. What's your take on this? I'm, I'm going to take the Steelers in this game. And the reason is they're making a change of quarterback, and my gut instinct tells me the little bit that I saw of this guy on tape, I like a lot. I think he's the better quarterback than uh, the Rudolph that they had in there. Uh, this is the politics of pro football. Uh, you know, he was the next man up because he's been backing up Roethlisberger for a long, long time. Uh, they put him in there. Uh, he threw four picks in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, and uh, Mike Tomlin said, uh, you know, he, you know, he's jealous, and that's not an endorsement by your coach. So I think that, you know, the, the Steelers are the type of organization that will continue to develop Rudolph. I think they need to sit him down for a game and see what they got with the Duck. And I have to think the Duck is the better quarterback at this particular time, along with a lot of other people, and I think he's going to prove it by going in there and beating Cleveland. And I think there's no love loss between these two teams, uh, but I think it'll be a clean, hard-fought game. Uh, I was hearing some rumors that Cleveland was taking a lot of uh, – what I call uh, cheap shots at the receivers for the Steelers. And I just think that, uh, you know, the Steelers are going to go in there and, and play a more balanced attack and not turn the ball over and wind up getting the win and beating the Browns 21-19. I actually had 21-17 Pittsburgh. Boy, we're, right, we're pretty close on that one. I agree with you. It's going to be a hard-fought contest. All right, the Rams against the Arizona Cardinals, and this one's in the desert. Me to tell you mine first? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, nothing. Uh, Go ahead. Uh-huh. Let's see where your head's at, winners. Go ahead. Okay. I've already written it down, so it's not like I'm going to make it up based on what you tell me. Where's the game being played? Uh, it's in Arizona. Murray, 
you know, I, I will tell you, Murray's made me a believer. Uh, I did not think he was going to be as good as he was going to be, particularly at the beginning of the year. I didn't think the air raid offense was going to be as good as it was because I thought defenses could stop it. Uh, I'm willing to admit when I was slightly wrong, uh, I like the way that the Cardinals play in every game. They play really, really tough. They're in a tough division. I think they see an opportunity to get a win into home. I think they get the job done. And I think there's some great heroics with Tyler Murray and they get it done 31-30. Yeah, I actually had the Cardinals winning 29-20. And I, I don't know, going into this game, I actually thought before he got hurt, David Johnson would be more of a factor. And I think the Cardinals would have more wins if David Johnson were healthier. But unfortunately, that's not the case. But you're right. I'm definitely sold on Murray for sure. All right, we'll go to Arrowhead, where you have the Raiders making their last appearance in Kansas City as the Oakland Raiders. What are your thoughts about this? I like Kansas City. Okay. I think Mahomes and those guys are going to start to realize that uh, they got to play a more balanced attack, uh, and I think they get the W. Uh, and I think that Carr has kind of peaked a little bit. Uh, he didn't play very well last week, uh, so I think that they've kind of lost their rhythm a little bit. Uh, and they're playing some pretty good ball at the beginning of the year. Uh, but I just think on the road there, I've got to give the, the, the nod to Kansas City. I think they're going to win 30-20. Yeah, I've got Kansas City 27-16. I think the Raiders get slowed down. They were humbled in New York, and they're still uh, on the road again in a very hostile, loud environment. I've been to Arrowhead, and boy, it is loud there. Three more games to go before we go on to other subjects. Okay, the Chargers are at Denver to take on the Broncos. I'm going to take the Chargers in this game. They had a week off. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, they'll go out and play well. I think Denver has a lot of issues right now, and I just think the Chargers will get the win. And I think it's going to be 28-24. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, Denver, 17-14. The only reason I go that route is because teams that are warm weather struggle up in the Rocky Mountains during this time of the year, so we'll see what happens there. Two you know, more. The Chargers have played up there a lot, so they usually play well up there. That's time fine. Here. Well, we'll find out. One of us can be right since we're on the other end. Two games, and then we'll go on to some other subjects. Okay, Bell. Uh, New England Patriots are going to be playing indoors against the Houston Texans. I'm going to take the Texans in this game. I think that uh, the Texans are right to get this win. Uh, I think that they have gone up to New England and are tired of getting beat up there. Uh, I think Deshaun Watson is going to be the difference. I think something freaky is going to happen in that game. Uh, uh, they don't really rush the passer as well as they did before, which is the problem the Texans are having. But I think they'll figure out a way to get it done. Uh, I don't think it's going to mean anything other than it's going to make the division a lot tighter uh, because whoever wins that division is going to be like 9-7 and seven or 8-8, eight and eight, uh, you know, between the Titans and uh, the Texans and the Colts. Uh, I think uh, the uh, Patriots, kind of, everybody kind of knows how to attack them. Uh, and I think they know what their weaknesses are. And O'Brien has got so many guys on that staff that have a uh, have tasted the, the Kool-Aid up there in New England. Uh, I, think, I just think that the Texans at home uh, with a the crowd, uh, they've been waiting for this game for a long time. I figured they'd get it done. So I'm going to take them 24-21. Okay, I have the Patriots winning 31-19. And the final game, okay, will be Minnesota up in the Pacific Northwest taking on the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to take the Seahawks in this game. The Seahawks are tough at home. 
I've got the Seahawks winning going away 33-21. I think Minnesota struggles up there. All right, now that we've talked about the NFL games, one league that won't be playing any more games is the Arena Football League. It just uh, folded today. What are your thoughts about that? Well, um, I know a lot about the Arena League. When I played in the USFL, uh, one of my coaches, Tim Markham, was the dean of uh, coaches in the Arena League with the Detroit Drive, and he had the Tampa Bay Storm. Uh, and, you know, he always had really good NFL-type guys. The positions up there is a totally different game. Um, the Arena League uh, has survived all these years because the USFL folded. I think you know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that the XFL is coming up now. Okay, and there's I think there's still uh, five or six teams that are going to float around. So once these guys finger in the pie up there, uh, there's a guy, I believe, that owns like five or six teams uh, that I think that they'll find a market for that. Uh, who knows, maybe they'll move all the teams to Vegas and you go into a casino and you'll gamble and just watch those arena teams play. So I think it's, they'll never be totally dead. Uh, but to play the way it did, you know, 10 years ago with the Orlando Predators and all that stuff, I just don't see it happening anymore uh, because of the fact that we now have the XFL and I just think that uh, the Arena League has run its course. And it was really, you know, it was fun to watch back in the day, but I think it's peaked, and I think it's lost interest, and I think that uh, financially it's not a viable option anymore, although you'll have some really small cities that will probably continue to have teams. And I'll find out more about it uh, when I talk to my people this week because they got their ears to the street with the Arena Football League. So I wouldn't be surprised if it reopens again, but it's faded into obscurity, particularly since it doesn't have a TV contract. Right. Well, the XFL's coming. let me add this to the point that many years ago I lived in Detroit. I covered an arena uh, bowl, so it was neat, and I saw some arena games. It was too bad that it did go down. But, you know, like you say, we're on the course. And our final segment of the night, Bill, we talked about it earlier, the top two turkeys. Uh, go ahead. You uh, talked about Joel Embiid and Dwayne Haskins. Uh, take them one turkey at a time. Joel Embiid talks too much. How do you play 34 minutes and not score any points? <laughs> right. I, you know, I, I, you know, Stephen A. was worse than I was. And I couldn't believe it when I saw that. I don't think I've ever heard that. Not even a basket. And you're out there for three quarters of the game. Not here at the foul line three times. Uh, dude, you know, this is a wake-up call that, you know, maybe less talk and more ball. Okay, Haskins, please, uh, give me a break, son. I know you got your first win, but stop back like a five-year-old. You're the, you're the quarterback for the Washington Redskins, all right, and you're out there taking a selfie where the coaches are looking for you to go back in there and run out the clock in your first win. That showed a level of immaturity that, quite frankly, no wonder group didn't want. 
no wonder Parcells was sitting back and going, I like him. It's a plug way of saying I haven't seen enough, enough body of work. It had one year there, and we had just surrounded by incredibly great athletes. Okay, and then you come in, and, you, and you're not even humble, and you're saying that you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. I don't think he has the proper perspective, okay, on where he is in the pecking order. In college, is not the pros. And then to go into training camp, he has not played well in camp. Uh, he's the owner's pet. Uh, the owner is the one who's controlling the shots, and that organization is going down the toilet. If they don't turn this around because nobody's going to the games, all right, they've fired the coach. The coaches that have gone through that, from Shanahan to the coaches up at Green Bay, to Sean McVay, were all on the Washington Redskins staff. Right. I broke in with the Redskins. They used to be one of the smartest organizations in the National Football League. They are now the worst. All right, why? They have an owner who will not uh, let up as far as these coaches are concerned. Uh, Groot is a great coach. Unfortunately, you know, he didn't get to choose who he wanted, all right, uh, which I think is a really difficult death knell for a franchise. The next thing is you got a quarterback who's not ready and is running his mouth as if he's going to come in this league and, and rip it up, all right? And he didn't do very well in training camp and kind of got exposed, all right? And now he's in there, and he's sort of a throw to the dogs, and he gets a win, and then he's acting this immaturely. Kind of lets you know they've got a lot of work to do. And I, I hope that there was some in-house discipline uh, with him right. uh, by his coach, all right? And his coach is a lame-duck coach. So as far as I'm concerned, those guys are my turkeys, okay. along with the gentleman, uh, the defensive end, who, who winds up hitting the guy over the helmet with his helmet, and then a couple of days later wants to say the racial, the racial epitaph. And the only reason he did that is because he's afraid he's going to sit out all next year and lose a lot of money because he lost his cool and hit somebody over the head with his helmet. Okay, but you got to go do that. Those are my three turkeys. Miles Garrett. Okay, okay. We, this is how we like to say we, we'll do it this way. <laughs> you feel me? You ever watch Animal House? <laughs> Excuse me. All right? Uh, it just, just doesn't fly. Okay, and, you know, uh, someone's got to put a foot down. Uh, this is the National Football League. Keep your mouth shut and play ball. All right, this isn't college. This isn't entertainment. This isn't social media. This is where grown men play. All right, well, now that you brought up Haskins, no show would be complete as we wrap this thing up, Bill, about the Michigan Wolverines and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, since we're in a prediction mode, I need you to go out on a limb on this very program about who you think is going to win the uh, biggest rivalry in college football, Michigan or Ohio State, Bill Winters. Going to go with Ohio State, but it's going to be a really close game. Those games are always dogfights. I think uh, Michigan has hung around and weathered the storm, is playing some pretty decent ball. I just think Ohio State's the better team. I don't think they're the number one team in the country. All right, but uh, they, they, you know, they'll win that game. All right, but it's not going to be easy. Give me All a right? score. So, what's that? Give me a score. Yeah, I, I, a lot of people are anticipating it to be close. My heart's with the Wolverines, and that's pretty much where I leave it. So, all right, well, folks, that concludes 
this edition of Motor Mouth of Wild Bill Winters, our Thanksgiving oh, episode. I have you a question. Yeah. Scott. Yes, Bill. Who do you have in your top four final for the final? Not Alabama. <laughs> I like Alabama. Do you? Something's going to happen this weekend where they're going to get in. It's either going to be them or Utah. And, we, and I think we know who the better team is. Unfortunately, it may not work. Right. But I just think something's going to happen this weekend where Alabama's going to get a shot to go in there. Okay? Oh. Um, you know, and I, I just think they'll be the fourth team. I don't know how it's going to shake out. That's what my good instinct's telling me. You can't, you just, the way they came back against LSU, okay, uh, and the way they played, uh, trust me when I tell you, uh, that schedule is, you know, uh, I just think that they make it politicked out. You know, and it's a shame. I have as a four. Mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 well, here, I'll tell you, Bill. Okay, I like Clemson going back. I actually do like Ohio State, even though that probably pains me to have to do it. The other ones I like, I actually like LSU, and I would go with Utah. And I'm hoping like hell, okay, that Auburn beats Alabama. I'm sick and tired of Alabama, to be honest with you. I really am. I'm pulling hard for the Auburn Tigers. Huh? The smart money is what you're saying. Okay. okay? LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Utah. Right. Okay? I. But we know the four best teams are LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama. Right. Okay, and that's it. Okay, and uh, but unfortunately, Alabama might not, might not get in. Well, I just have a feeling that that's what it's going to be. Don't ask me how. Somebody's going to get beat this weekend. Somebody's going to drop the ball in the next two weeks, and Alabama's going to creep in. Well, you're probably right, but I'm still hoping that if Ohio State doesn't win it all, even though they're Michigan's arch rival, I'm hoping that LSU wins it all. If for no other reason, Ed Orgeron has done a marvelous job out in Baton Rouge, and I'm pulling hard for a guy that should have had the USC job but never got it. But I guess he found himself a good spot over in the Bayou country. So good points. I love Ohio State. I'm a Big Ten guy, you know, but I always root for the Big Ten, even if it is Ohio State. But I'm definitely pulling hard for LSU nonetheless. No, I don't like Alabama, and I certainly don't like the head coach, Nick Saban. So on that note, Bill, I'm glad we ended it on a high note, as we ended on a high note. It's been a high note every time we're on the air together. But meanwhile, once again, folks, that concludes our Thanksgiving edition of Motor Mouth and Wild, Bill Winters. We hope you enjoyed the program. We hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving, and Bill and I will do it again next week. And, Bill, you know what? We're going to have a date on Monday night instead of next Wednesday because I have other business commitments to take care of. So make sure you do a lot of homework. We're going to serve it up, and we'll uh, see if we can be accountable for our predictions over the weekend, all right? Or except for the one Happy night. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Good night.